long time no speak. You've been on holiday in somewhere somewhere up north, I think it was. Yeah, I went to a place called Saltburn by the Sea, just north of the North of York Moors National Park, and it was absolutely beautiful. Was... Uh, men are men and sheep are many. Yeah, uh, I didn't see that many sheep. No, I saw a few little, you know, a few good sheepy lads here and there. Um, I saw a lot of birds, seagulls, house martins, all of that stuff, because staying on a flat on the seafront. But it was really, really nice. Highly recommend that part of the world, the northeast coast. It was real good. Yeah. And and then uh, you've been struck down with illness or dental. No, yeah, challenges. I had to have a tooth out. That was pre- that was prearranged. Ouch. Yeah, Ouch. it's fine. It's all fine. It's one one of the back ones that you don't need. <laughs> No, that's right. Um, so, uh, in in when did we last speak? Have have uh, have we have we spoken since I returned to the UK from my no trips abroad spying? You were still on behalf of Her Majesty on MI6 duties. I can't believe you haven't that's resigned, right. given the current government that you're now working for. Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's for king and country, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's duty, not for not for the government. No, absolutely. Um, how's all that going? Are we are we winning? Yeah, winning, winning, always winning. So <laughs> sick of winning, sick of winning. Oh, talking of sick of sick of winning. I know we said we would uh, take questions later in the show, but uh, a question here from Andy McCoy at Mac Attack. Now that we've lost the cricket, what other sports are any good? <laughs> <laughs> well, strictly speaking, we haven't lost. There's another game to go. It could end up in a drawn series. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. just that the just because cricket isn't weird enough, a draw means the team that lost last time loses again. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, anyway, we won't we won't do cricket chat this time. It was it was easily my favourite part of the rank cast so no, far. This now, year, now but... cricket. Is again. <laughs> we uh, we no longer need to talk about it. Take up curling. It's winter's coming. So yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Is ice hockey any good? I don't know. It sort of looks fun, no. ice hockey. It is fighting with sticks. Right. I mean, uh, fighting fighting with sticks. That's kendo, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can talk about Southampton. You, did, you didn't see this game because went, you were I tried up to, north on the seaside. Literally, that is, it is because I was up north on the seaside that I didn't see this game because I went to a pub that had Sky Sports to go and watch the game but uh, they were showing the Middlesbrough game that was happening at the same time because it was like 20 minutes away from Middlesbrough. So it was literally location defeated. Like the only part of the planet that you could, uh, that could have been true in because everywhere else, everywhere else you could have gone to the remotest part of the remotest part of the Amazon jungle, found a pub and they'd been showing the United game. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is I went in there um, and the ads were on. So I didn't know that the wrong game was on. So I bought a bottle of water and a packet of crisps all ready to go. And then it flashed up the middles where I was like, oh no, I've got this bottle of water and packet of crisps. I could have got literally cheaper anywhere else. Anyway, that, well, look, so... we don't have to talk about this much. United drew one-one. They were very sloppy with um, in attack. Had a lot of shots. I mean, hell of a lot of shots. Although a lot of them were like pretty speculative, I'd say, and maybe three or four good chances. After the game, Oli made a lot of uh, United not taking the chances. And I think a lot of that was about spaces created rather than actual good clear-cut chances. Um, and uh, and then sloppy at the back. For the uh, the equaliser uh, from who was it? Che Adams, I think. Mm. Was it? 
could well have been so long ago. Could I can barely well, remember. Could well have been, but nobody cares at this point. Yeah. Um. The, yeah, it was a he- it was a header. So kind of sloppy punch, poor challenge, poor covering rounds, mixed up with zonal marking type thing. So yeah, I mean, um, let's let's talk about the good stuff. Daniel James scored again. I I think I think basically he's someone else said it on Twitter. He's uh, he's the Welsh Iron Robin. Because he only scores by cutting it in and bending it, bending it into the top corner. The thing Worldies is, he's every time. It's all right if he's the Welsh Iron Robin. We just don't want him to turn out to be the Welsh Ashley Cole, who <laughs> Ashley Young, sorry, who Ashley. lost his ability to do that at some point. Yeah. Um, th- so yeah, lovely, lovely goal for him. He scored a very similar goal for Wales uh, in midweek in uh, Euro 2020 qualification. Today, well done. And. And yeah, well done on you know, given given that we called him Bebe the other week. Uh we. Um we, we, yeah, we okay. we are one here okay. on the pod uh, until you f- then we are not. <laughs> okay, I was just gonna say mm, no veto. Veto. <laughs> yeah. Well look, we'll see. I think I think there's still lots of question marks about um here the maturity of his game, but he can finish. He knows how to find space and he just looks a lot better coming off the left than the right, which is a bit of a problem given that we have Rashford, Martial, well, no longer Sanchez, yeah. and James all wanting to play off the left, and no one really wanting to play off the right. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Ollie um, shakes that one out in the end, and whether Daniel James can continue this sort of rich vein of goal scoring form. Uh, and then then equaliser, as I said, pretty sloppy. Um, uh, it was, I think it was from a corner, wasn't it? It was a kind of second phase ball that came in. De Gea didn't punch it very well, and. And uh, Lindelof was beaten in the air again, which is kind of worrying. If he's going to get bullied in the air, people will start targeting him. And and what I'd say is that typically on the second phase, uh, you you kind of you would reset from there because you're not in zones again. And so Maguire could have attacked that ball, probably should have attacked that ball and didn't. But that that for me is not like a let's say it's a quarter of a mistake for right. Maguire. Not as bad as failing to cover around against Palace, which I think was quite a bad mistake. Um, and uh, and yeah, a small mistake, and perhaps you know one of those things where two players haven't played together very much didn't sort themselves out, you know. That's because like we we know what Lindelof's good at. He's good with the ball, and he reads the, the game pretty well. He's not, you know, outstanding in the air, and he's not super quick. So, and it, to me, the the quarter of a mistake thing, even the big mistake against um, Palace, you can partly put down to just learning to work in a new partnership and the fact that Maguire didn't have a pre-season here and all of that kind of stuff, rather than we necessarily assume that that means this is the yeah. kind of mistake he's regularly going to make or whatever. The, uh, that's the, right. The thing that, so I watched the game on Match of the Day and Jermaine Genus was like, Holly Solskjaer said United created lots of chances, but they didn't create any chances. And then in the background, there's a montage of chances and half chances on the screen behind him that, you know, it's very much an interpretation thing because you could say that they, Solskjaer said they lacked they were not clinical. And I think that doesn't just mean you didn't don't take the chances, but it also means you don't um, hit the last pass to set up the really big chance and stuff. And, and yeah, more, it, more than 20 shots. Yeah. And, so and now whether you can call them all chances is a sort of you know, say, a, a fair debate. But, but it looked to me like three of them were chances, two from Rashford and one from Daniel James, all of which were, sorry to be boring about it, but like all of which were 0.3 XG can't say that a 0.3 xg shot from inside the box is not a chance can you that's that's no. and and Wambazaka took a shot didn't he in early in the first half right so, so yeah i mean like 
I, I kind of sympathise with Oli a little bit. I don't, I don't know. Clearly, caused the right. Yeah, you know, didn't didn't finish the chances that were created. Um, at you know point three xg shots, and you got three of them at point three xg. You should be scoring a goal there. Yeah. That's why United's xg is is nearly two in that game. So you know, a, a game many times United would have won, and we can say that about some of the other games this season. Then again. It's also a game that United didn't win, and it feels very familiar, doesn't it? And this is the problem, this kind of isn't result it? Against this kind of team, and Southampton will probably finish mid-table or lower, lower half of the table this season. We're not in a good way. But this is the kind of season we kind of knew we were going to have, isn't it? You know, the, the Chelsea game was a pleasant surprise. And I have to say, in a way, some of the football's been a bit of a pleasant surprise to me in terms of, you know, United's attacking intent and all of these kinds of things. So it's not, to me, this is the... This is the season that was always coming. So partly as a consequence of not being obsessed with watching every minute of it in the way that I've been in the past and partly just from measuring expectations. I'm, I'm definitely not feeling the thing that seems to be going around a great deal, which is the mass freak out about, oh, my God, we're still rubbish. What are we going to do? It's like, yeah, we, we are still rubbish. But how did anyone think that not with the signings that we made, we were going to be, I mean, besides... Wan-Bissaka and Harry Maguire make a huge difference to our defensive integrity, which they have done. We've conceded goals, but not really chances. Um, ironically, maybe apart from against Chelsea, we haven't really conceded too many big chances at all. Um, and then uh, we didn't address the midfield, so we've got a massive problem. And Daniel James is, Daniel James is doing way better than he had any right to do in terms of his, his initial impact. By the way, like and that's probably enough about Southampton. I'm pretty sure we haven't acknowledged on this podcast the, uh, the fact that Alexis Sanchez, who we didn't even mention on the show last time, uh, is now playing his trade at Inter, the uh, yes. retirement home for... Um, <laughs> semi-failed United players yeah. or completely failed United players yeah yeah well look um, uh, so I, I guess we can praise I guess it's Ollie who's been very strong and said there's certain players he just doesn't want at the club so Damian has also gone since we last spoke oh, as well oh really so where's he then he went to Palmer for 1.5 million euros <laughs> now wait or like I think there may be some bonuses added onto that okay. as well because some people quoted slightly more than that but um, it's kind of weird one because it obviously had to go, but we knew that two years ago and because United didn't get the fee they wanted, they refused to sell. And But we paid his wages of two million, two million odd euros a year anyway. And sold him and it, sold him for a pittance. And sold him for less. So, yeah, it, it's not it's not great. <laughs> you know, it's it. Really. You know, it's it. You know, it's yeah. it. Uh, but he's gone. So Sanchez... And so a bunch of other players, and and yeah, Smalling went to Roma, oh, which was, yeah. uh, we haven't talk, had a chance to talk about since uh, we last spoke. Which is, which is interesting. Let's see how he does. You know, it's uh, I, I it's not one I saw coming, but um, it makes sense for him, and I think he's he's pretty dignified about it, and said he just wants to play games. And obviously, Ollie's been straight with him and said, look, you know what I want, and he's been dropped for the same reason, effectively, that Gareth Southgate dropped him from the England team, which is. You know his his quality on the ball is is pretty low, and mm. and Ollie wants to be able to keep the ball out of the back. Unfortunately for United, our midfield is absolutely bobbing, so we can't keep the ball in midfield. But <laughs> you know, one problem at a time, I guess. So anyway, in praise of Solskjaer for for at least quite a lot of effort on the clearing out players who obviously aren't going to play. That's massive. Yeah. Valencia, no, we've gone from 
looking around going, why are all these people still here? To actually now Damian, Smalling, Sanchez, Lukaku, Valencia. That's a big summer for outgoings. Obviously, like there's still one or two that you'd say, okay, well, you know, Phil, how's your how's your Italian? Um, but, you know, Marcos, are you sure you want to still do this? You know, um, and he's like, si, es muy bien. Because <laughs> um, he's... On- yeah, there's an interview with Marcos Rocco uh, in the past week saying... He he really wants to move so he can get back into the international setup. Right. Well, and I, I actually think the blocker on him moving is well, once his wages, but also exactly how much United are looking for him. You know, reportedly asked Everton for twenty five million wow. for him. Like what goes on in Woodward's Everton head? said, "How about a cheeky loan?" and and Woodward said, "No." <laughs> so he yes. stayed. Yeah. So th- there's still some there's still some uh, change to come. It's also. Um, uh, like thinking ahead now, there's an awful lot of players with not very much time left on their contracts, either one or two years. So quite a few with an option for a third uh-huh. as well. But see, De Gea is the pressing one. Um, reported in the Guardian this week that he's very close to signing a new deal on lower terms than perhaps um, <coughs> had been demanded previously. It, I mean, it might be. Ch- he's looked around Europe a little bit, and no one's uh, no one's um, like ponying up the money. So. Old Trafford looks attractive again. It's the chucking it in your own net tax. <laughs> that's, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stop doing that, David. Yeah. Please, please. Otherwise, we're going to have a kind of worrying, you know, um, millstone around our necks, aren't we? With, you know, Dave on a massive contract. Everyone, like, at one stage thinking that would have been awesome. And now worrying about it. I actually, I think some people have overreacted to that a little bit. He's... You don't go from great keeper to crappy keeper overnight. It's It's been a good six months in the making. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And I think of all the positions in world sport, in football in particular, I do think that is one where you actually can go from being great to terrible overnight because you can get the yips. Like David De Gea got the yips. That's what happened. And the the it's really obvious that he got the big time serious big boy yips last season now whether somewhat that's recovered this season it looks like it has but one or two mistakes he's going to get really shaky really fast that's that's what oh. what i think about that we'll see we will anyway um, that, but the that's Sanchez... a digression we were going to talk about Leicester. uh yeah but i just thought we should probably talk about all these outgoings in fact let's let's give them maybe a bit more attention first of all i want to mention that chris morling i'm very happy for him actually because i think roma is a pretty cool club to go and spend some time at but it's got to be a difficult city to be a vegan in nobody's really thinking about this like this is surely the place where you most want to consume cheese and ice cream in the whole world but fair play to him he's fully committed uh to the football I mean, thing. maybe there's some pizzerias with vegan cheese no, i'm sure there's i'm sure there's a vegan gelateria in uh in rome but still still he's, he's taken on a significant personal challenge and i respect him for that uh alexis sanchez isn't it absolutely amazing that we were able to get someone to take him? And I wonder what the, I wonder how much of his extraordinary wages are still on the United books. I mean, more than half. Right. Yeah. So, yes, a significant proportion of the wages are being paid by United, and uh, more than ten million pounds a year. Well, you have to um, say that's that's a remarkable financial commitment to Wally Gunnar Solskjaer's leadership, isn't it? You know, you, you, you're sort of saying that Solskjaer has drawn the line that this, this player won't play for United anymore. And the club have backed him to the tune of half more than half of Alexis Sanchez's wages. That's... Yeah, well, I mean, but 
you know, sure, yes, but he could have stayed and 100% of Alexis Sanchez's wages would have been paid by United. Yeah, that's true. And he still wouldn't have been producing anything. So. No. And, and like, you know, I think a lot of the reports that came out afterwards were pretty good piece in The Athletic. Fine publication. <laughs> yeah. Looking for podcast sponsorship <laughs> somewhere. We'll, give us a ring and we'll tell you to go somewhere else. No. Um, anyway, um, a good piece on why exactly United were so keen to get him out. You know, the disruptive nature of of him and, and maybe the fact that Dave is going to sign a contract at lower rates than you know he was reportedly after um, isn't a small part to do with the fact that Sanchez is now out. Yeah, you know? and, and oh, interesting. And just been a bit harder about this. I mean, it's a hard lesson to learn. Hopefully, it's been learned and we're no longer chasing shiny old things. I mean, as as has been widely pointed out by deeply average observers of uh, United and football in general, that swap deal. <laughs> <laughs> that, that swap deal. Mkhitaryan is also in Italy, right? He's gone somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, uh, he he also went to Roma. Oh, really? So, so yeah. oh, it's all it's all coming together. Get to hang out in Sierra A, the graveyard of failed Premier League players. Yeah, apparently. God, imagine if you told us that in 1995. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think that's it. I don't think there were any other shocks. No, that's that's some. Those that's are it. there's some. Dam, Damian Smalling, the, Sanchez, the dead weights, Lukaku. A lot yeah. of it's cleared out. I mean, in fact, if you assume that you have to keep one of Jones or Rocco just for numbers, you could say that's really almost all the actual dead weight cleared out of the squad. I mean, there's some question mark, Fred, Fred. Yeah, <laughs> poor right. poor old friend. I mean, but still plenty of question marks around the the quality of the players who remain, of course. But the actual yeah, the fully like, no, this player is completely, definitely redundant to us. There's not so many yeah. of those. Well, Fred, Fred, yeah, and you know, one of Rocco or Jones, but you know, still, um, it's it's nowhere near. A lot has been done, and given how critical I think we were, I didn't even think about the European transfer window when the British transfer window ended. I was thinking, what have we? He hasn't got rid of anyone, but in fact, he's got rid of tons of people. So that's good. Um, the future doesn't necessarily look that bright, though. I think that Saturday is going to be really tough, and we might uh, not win again. I mean, it's at Old Trafford, isn't it? So, so, so uh, okay. Uh, let me ask you a question. <laughs> what happened the last time Manchester United played at Old Trafford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Leicester are one of those teams that uh, do still, uh, despite several changes of manager, like to play with the you know the ball on the break occasionally. I, d- I don't think they're anywhere near the the um, the their title winning side in terms of playing like that. It's not least because they've got better players in midfield now. Um, they didn't replace Maguire. Uh, they replaced from within Sagar um, Soyunku. I'm probably Absolutely bastardising that one. Um, Turkish international and Johnny Evans still going strong, forming their the backbone of their their central defence. But I mean, the rest of it's really good. You know, they've uh, Chilwell is is growing into a really fine left back, really fine. Pereira on the right hand side, I think, uh, looks like he might have a good season. And Didi makes almost as many tackles as Wambazaka. Um, oh. By the way, I'm absolutely fuming here right now. I'm sitting here absolutely what? fuming at you saying they've got Johnny Evans, but the rest of it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Top five central defender in the world, Johnny Evans. Uh, he was at one stage. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
Um, he's really good though he's really really good yeah um, I mean up front still got James Vardy still scoring goals St- having uh, a brilliant e- even without Shinji Okazaka <laughs> who left for uh, Sevilla I think he loves he just loves Brendan Rodgers Vardy's like Rodgers has been so smart I mean it's very basic but he's been so smart with Vardy just like come in and gone I love you you're brilliant you're playing every week please score some yeah. goals thank you I love you and it's working marvellously no, that's right, and look, and their midfield is very good. I mean, um, Harry Harry Barnes, I think it is. They're all called uh, Harry nowadays. All the kids. They're all called Harry. Yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting his first name. I, I keep wanting to call him Ashley Barnes, but he's a forward for Burnley. Yeah, so, uh, and definitely not John Barnes, who <laughs> has some issues, man. Has some big issues. Anyway, uh, he looks like a good player, young player. Um, Madison, just an absolute assist machine. He's like the amount of chances he's created. He creates more chances than the whole of the. United team, you know. Yeah, and, and um, you know, Yuri Tielemans looks like absolute steal at forty million, and and all Brighton still going strong, you know. So they've got a strong, they've got very strong midfield. Uh, yeah, yeah I don't... it's it's definitely the best midfield outside the top six. I'd say that, but then Wolves have got a pretty good midfield <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, and and I think there's a solid argument to say that it's considerably better than some of the midfields in the top six as well so any any particular midfield you're thinking <laughs> I don't about no just one or two i mean also i don't think arsenal's midfield's very good is it so that's no. i i i'd say Leicester have maybe got the well depending on whether lampard can get chelsea functional Leicester have arguably got currently the fourth best midfield in the league um mm. i mean i think ngolo kante bumps chelsea up a, a spot on his own but that, that their midfield's not really working at the moment and Ours definitely isn't, and Arsenal's is Arsenal. So, and Leicester are right up there midfield-wise. Um, well, and they're third in the table. You know, yeah, unbeaten this season, couple of draws, couple of wins. I don't, I don't understand why any United fan would go into this game thinking, "Oh, yeah, we'll probably win this." Like, we might well win it, obviously, but there's there's nothing about the current form of these two sides which means that United should be substantial favourites for this game. There's nothing about the form of these two sides over the last five years. That says that you know, it should be substantial. Well, I mean, Leicester did nearly get relegated like three years ago. Yeah, then they won the league. It makes up for it, mm. balances it out. Then they nearly got relegated again. <laughs> yes, good point. Then they sat their league title winning manager and Jose Mourinho was very upset in solidarity. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that saves United in this battle for six, six places is that Leicester's squad's pretty thin. As opposed um, to... That's As opposed sorry, to our, our, we've got two world class players in every position yeah. <laughs> on FIFA just, Ultimate Team. Yeah, it's just like if Pogba gets a cold, <laughs> we're not going to win another game all season. Yeah. Um. So yes, it'll be a tough one. Um. Undoubtedly. Do you have a prediction for this before we go into our, our round of questions from the listeners? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a brave one all draw from the mighty Reds. Yeah. You know, it's not you know like what? it's not like a sort of depressing negativity thing. It's a let's all be realistic. Well, well it, about... it will be on social media. If, yeah, if there's just no need though, because it's like, well, this is we're just not very good now. We've been really good for a really long time, and because of terrible ownership and awful top tier management, the squad's been left to go to ruins, and the current manager is desperately trying to rebuild in a sane way, clearing out dead weight and bringing in young talent to build the next generation of this side around and he's and and, and yes yes I, i'd say trust the process um but the process very heavily involves ed woodward so it's hard <laughs> to trust the process but look um you know i'm sure we'll be asked about it but 
I think what Ollie's done is he's he he may well not be good enough. We'll see. Yeah. But he's got a very clear plan about what he wants. Right. The questions that have been answered and that we keep talking about are what happens when a team is prepared to just sit. Because uh, United don't have a very good answer to that one at the moment. I don't think Leicester will play like that. I mean, you know, they they like they they play with more of the ball than they once did. But the threat from Jamie Vardy is clearly the ball through the middle and over the top. So they do play that one. Um, but but they've got lots and lots of very good ball playing midfielders. Exactly. Yeah. And and the the thing that you would say about um, the thing I'd want to say about United and kind of having a somewhat negative prediction about it is if we score early, anything's possible. Like this team with its tails up, I still think is a really is really good. It's just that they don't they can't sustain it and they can't deal with things going against them uh, yeah. for sustained periods of time and they really struggle to break teams down. But I do, you know, Leicester will give them space to play in. Um, it's just whether Rashford can take advantage of you know, having to deal with one of the top five central defenders in the world. All right. So we're going to do um, sort of a, any questions answered bumper uh, listener questions edition. Let's because, do it. Uh, we haven't got much to talk about, even though we did spend like 25 minutes talking about not much. Um, it's a perpetual episode. Of ha- yeah. Hashtag rank cast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll do 20, half an hour, whatever. We'll see how long. It takes to get through a few questions. So, um, I, 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 I've got one to pick out to start with, just because uh, this is something I haven't talked about yet. Uh, underscore Dev Guitar on Twitter says, "Did you watch the Keen Neville thing? If so, thoughts." All I heard was I, I just um, saw a friend of the show, Darren Richmond, sent me some stuff that Roy Keane said. And I think Roy Keane might be a scumbag. <laughs> I think he might be an idiot, to be honest, when it comes to mental health issues and stuff like that. Yeah, well, he can, was, yes. He can, yeah, yeah. he can go to hell, in fact, in my opinion. <laughs> so. Wow, wow. But I don't, I don't, I don't care for toxic masculinity about people's emotional issues. Is just is killing men. You know, that's sure. that's the truth. Yes. So men, well, men look, are dying. A lot of, of different things, not just that. So yeah. um, it was a it was a two hour on stage thing right. with Gary Neville and Balls. Um, and they're doing a bit of a roadshow, and uh, he talked about a lot of things. So the thing you're alluding to is um, him sort of. Uh, poking holes making fun of jonathan waters who's obviously had you know a pretty tough time um mother died at a very young age he's had mental health issues he he has cried publicly about it you know and uh, uh and keen wasn't very kind and yeah he, he that was a bit evil that was but you also talked about alice ferguson right and his relationship with fergie which was interesting because you know it's a lot awful lot of water under the bridge since 2000 and five, but to listen to Keane, absolutely no water under the bridge. So he hasn't spoken to him or seen him since, it would seem, and uh, said he won't until Fergie apologises. What do you reckon the chances of Fergie apologising <laughs> for anything, let alone kicking Roy Keane out of the club, mm. are not high? No. Um, Gary Neville, um, I mean, obviously he must have known that this would come up. I mean, right, you know. Um, uh, and he's agreed to go do it, but he was sat there looking deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, look, Rookie may be a scumbag. He's definitely, you know, he's definitely got not nice person traits. 
but he's absolute box office. Oh yeah, and I mean, and and you know, I I really mean what I say when I say that attitude needs to just be called out as the absolute garbage, idiot, murderous garbage that it is. Like Roy Keane's not killing anyone, but that attitude is killing men. Like at a crazy men under the age of thirty-five in Britain are more likely to kill themselves than be killed by illness or accident. That's sure. That's the the and this is. There's a lot of different reasons for this, but the single biggest one is that men are uh, not allowed to express emotion. And this is absolute nonsense and needs to be called out for what it is. But Roy King's a complicated man and he has many intriguing qualities. And yeah, box office, he is not short of charisma, is he? No, no, he's not. And I mean, look, it was... um... It it was uh, interesting some of the things he said about Ferguson, not only about the personal feud, but then he said, um, uh, you know, do you, do you think Ferguson always had the club's best interests at heart? You know, and and absolutely Ferguson did not. You know, it absolutely did not. We uh, you know, we talk about the Glazers um, and Edward Wood weekly. Uh, people are trying to trend Glazers out and. You know the seeds of the Glazer takeover were sown by Ferguson, right? For for those who don't remember, you know Ferguson got into a row over some horse cum, and but that so not only that, but he also hook line and sinker subjugated the club to the Glazers' ownership afterwards. Yes, he did. Yeah, and and like and and in a way that um, uh, because because he'd once. Um, sort of sold himself as the man of the people and a man for the fans and had used that to get himself better contracts, you know, in, in the past, um, felt deeply, deeply disingenuous and, and you know, ab- about his own needs. I mean, at least Edward Woodry know has always been a carpet-bagging scumbag, you know? He's always been there to shill for the Glazers. Yeah. Um, Ferguson wasn't that. He was the opposite of that. And then he came back. Anyway, like... Talking around the subject, but uh, it, it was great fun, uh, and I do agree with your point. You know, Roy Keane is not the most nuanced man when it comes to um, the subject of mental health. No. Anyway, um, have we got any uh, more questions? Yeah, we got loads. Talking of people talking on stages, at Briggs P tweets says, "Can you translate Cantona's acceptance speech?" Listen, right? Eric Cantona is a very simple man. When he said, when the seagulls follow the trawler, it is because they believe sardines will be thrown over the edge. He was sat at in a packed, baying press conference. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, what a... Who were the seagulls? What an <laughs> enigmatic, subtle metaphor that is. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, actually, actually, I think that's us misunderstanding the reaction, you know, or, or the... Like the reaction, oh, he's so crazy, was because if they, if the press hadn't written that and the commentators hadn't written that, they would be admitting he was talking about them and he was calling them out. Yeah, you know, as rats of the sky. Yeah, yeah. And 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 in this one, I mean, this was a beautiful, glorious moment. I'm sure everyone listening to to this has seen it. If somehow you haven't, look up Eric Cantona's acceptance speech where he accepted the president's award at some i was it a fifa do i think it was a fifa do um 
And the best bit about it by far are Ronaldo and Messi sitting next to each other listening to what he's saying. So he opens a speech by saying, as flies are to small boys, so men are to the gods. They play with us for their sport or whatever it is, which is a quote from King Lear about, you know, how man's fate is not necessarily in his own hands. Then he says, we're getting to the point where science will enable humans to live forever, but it won't matter because we'll still kill each other. Which all he's saying is, uh, don't look purely to scientific invention and discovery to cure the human condition of its flaws. Look within, develop your... It's a, just a simple anti-war message, except essentially. And then he says, I love this game, ha ha ha, because he wanted to big up Patrice Evra's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I I don't think Eric Cantona talks that cryptically, to be honest. There's nothing cryptic um, about he, it. He talks poetically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I tell you what, the collective British psyche, not great with people talking poetically. Ironic, given the beautiful poetic history that's been produced here. Um, uh, I can't remember who it was, and I'm really sorry about this, but somebody messaged me saying Ronaldo's reaction to that was that of a man confronting the concept of his own mortality for the first time. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely brilliant because Ronaldo genuinely looks like I think this might be really good. <laughs> like he's kind of excited about it. And there's one bloke in the crowd that it cuts to who's just shaking his head, utterly baffled. But because Cantona speaks a bit slowly, and because he sort of doesn't say, "Oh yeah, I want to thank my mum and my dad and the football world for this beautiful honour," he actually uses it to try and you know make a statement about human nature. People get very freaked out very quickly. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, at Jax365 says, I figured out who you are, Ed. You're Dominic Cummings. What? <laughs> I'm not. I'm, re I'm really, really not. Who's Dominic Cummings? The genius. Dominic Cummings is um, Boris Johnson's chief strategist. <laughs> he's, a, he's a nihilist. He's not um, actually a sort of traditional conservative he's uh he's one of the people who um uh pushed through the strategy behind the leave.eu campaign great banks is great uh campaign that was funneled um where 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 hundreds of thousands of pounds possibly even millions it's a it's all very opaque it was funneled through the dup in northern ireland because they have very different election financing laws and then found their way to leave.eu that uh, way overspent anyway We've talked about that forever. That was Dominic Cummings. I'm not him. Well, you seem to, uh, you now, seem seriously. to, seem to know a lot about him for someone who claims I well, not I, to be you know, him. I, I, I follow politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and seriously, what, what a second name. <laughs> yeah. No one has. Uh, no, but seriously, how do you think a no deal uh, or a hard Brexit will affect United in the Premier League? This, this is a kind of interesting one because actually... Um, it's much more about um, the Premier League's deal with the Home Office on uh, what uh, players will qualify for um, a work permit or not. Right? So, um, and, and much less about the EU. So, the EU, um, obviously, there's freedom of movement of any players who comes through the EU or have a from who are EU citizens or have an EU passport of some uh, kind. Um, and um, since the government has uh, studiously decided not to enforce 
um, the rules that it has at its place uh, around immigration of uh, citizens from the EU and then decided to blame said immigrants. Get me on my soapbox here. Um, uh, we've had a very large number of EU players uh, coming into the UK. That may change. Um, it looks like, but hasn't been agreed, that there will be some kind of um, points-based system similar to what we have for non-EU players now, right? So ranking of country and number of international caps and how many games they've played in the international team and stuff like that. It looks like that, but it's not actually been agreed. Um, so it, it, may, it may slow down how many players from um, outside of the uh, outside of the UK come into the Premier League. It may not, because we don't know the rules yet. Oh, these bloody idiots. <laughs> bloody waste of time and money and effort and anxiety. Anyway, I'm not going to digest. Every time anyone talks about the practical realities of it, I just get super bummed out. Super bummed out by these... Oh, anyway, forget it. Forget it. Hey, well, look, we've, these... we've, signed, we've signed a free trade agreement with the Maldives. <laughs> yes. All right. United, United. Um, keep getting these, like, on other podcasts, there are these adverts saying Brexit. Your business, if your business deals with the EU, you need to know about Brexit. Go to dove.uk slash Brexit. Like, what can that tell you? <laughs> like, we... Well, <laughs> funnily enough, you brought this up because um, peace, peace in, um, uh, I think it was The Guardian this week. Uh, saying or maybe the times saying that um, the strategy that Cummings and, and Johnson are now trying to push through is to use .gov.uk um, as uh, not, not just a source for disinformation and propaganda, um, but as a data collection exercise. Oh, brilliant. So yeah, in order to, to fuel the Tories, uh, probably illegal ad spending for the next uh, pending election. The other thing that was interesting was that the um, the Treasury's Twitter account was was pushing out uh, no deal propaganda, saying in in the result of a no deal, you will not pay duty on cigarettes and alcohol coming uh, into the UK from European countries. Right. So, I mean, the the mental gymnastics on this one is is magnificent. Almost no one pays any duty um, on. Uh, well, there is no duty. Sorry, there is no duty on cigarettes and alcohol coming from the EU. You have to pay local tax, right? And so what they're, well, they're jumping through hoops here are, well, if within a certain limit, because there will be limits, you bring back uh, goods from the EU in a post-no-deal Brexit scenario, you won't pay duty on those, presuming they're under the limit, and you also theoretically might be able to claim tax back like you can when you're coming from outside um, um, the EU now, theoretically. But there will still be a strict limit, and it's going to be like a litre of whiskey or something like that. So if you're interested in not paying any duty and not paying any tax, by all means, go and fly to France and get yourself a couple of bottles of wine. I'm sure it'll be worth it for you. Yeah. It's getting a bit political, this, Paul. We're supposed to be talking about football. Blaming me. <laughs> football, I just, football I just said it was really depressing. Um, football is politics, but not the specifics of EU, Treasury, duty, tax laws. 
especially since like a substantial percentage of our listeners are in like India and America and they're like we do yeah. we don't care about any of your pathetic political infighting in your stupid country and rightly so um <laughs> at match of the dan says if De Gea does leave which overpriced underachieving and inferior british keeper will we replace him with hashtag rank cast <laughs> hashtag say no to pickford <laughs> um yeah quite possibly quite possibly uh it'll be hashtag welcome jordan and not oh. not not sancho not, no i i, not I suspect um i yeah i mean i, I don't know why united would dump 80 million on jordan pickford really i i i, I kind of suspect he's quite average anyway um i, I suspect uh if De Gea doesn't sign this new deal. And, and they've been looking around Europe for keepers for quite some time. You know, there was a very strong inquiry uh, for Anana at Ajax, for example, and others, uh, and Oblak, but Oblak would be phenomenally expensive. Um, uh, I wonder whether the default position might not be just to go for Romero and, and Henderson and see what happens. You know, that would be the Glazonomics version of it. Henderson's maturing as a player. We don't, I don't know yet, yet know if he's good enough for... Um, a uh, an aspiring top four side, <laughs> good enough for that big top six battle that we're in. Yeah, but uh, you know he, he looks like a talented player, and and uh, Flappy Search hasn't hasn't flapped around for a while. But you know, there it's all come down on De Gea at his peak. Yeah. All right, your turn, Ed. At Lotta Nicholas says. Should we revert back to three in midfield, allowing Pogba to play further forward? Also, what's happened to Fred? Seems like Ollie doesn't rate him. I mean, yes. Yes. Yeah, that, 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 that Double last... question allows us to talk about the both of them. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of... I mean, we've talked about this one a lot, right? So the trade-offs between playing Pogba further forward and having to bring Matic into the side. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Paul is staring at me wide-eyed <laughs> at that thought or playing Pogba deeper, having a load of absolute fucking numpties on Twitter going, well, he's not creating any chances, is he? Um, <laughs> and and playing Lingard further forward, who, you know, at this stage looks like uh, also, your favourite phrase, a competition winner. He's also not creating any chances, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think, listen, I think this is the biggest, most difficult decision that faces uh, Solskjaer in terms of, what we do moving forward and it looks to me like he's made his decision and I think it's the right one I think it hasn't come off yet slightly unfortunately I do think it is fair to say that we have been slightly unfortunate to be where we are now in terms of performance and chance creation Uh, you know I think it's probably accurate reflection of where we're at as a kind of collective in terms of collective mentality and spirit and all those sorts of things but in terms of playing Pogba deeper and whether we're creating enough chances, I, I think you're going to lose so much having someone else in that in that role that he's currently playing in. At some point, you think if it keeps not working the way it is, he's going to have to switch something up. But the other yeah, thing, yeah, that- I mean, he, he did against Southampton, of course, because Matic went off. Sorry, Matter went off. Went off. Matic came on, mm. and Pogba shifted into a more forward position. And United created a whole bunch of semi chances yeah not not great ones in the last 20 minutes or so playing against 10 men um but yeah i mean it's it's a really difficult choice um really difficult it would need someone like need someone to mature very quickly or fred to come back from the brink other part of that question like where is he i think it's irrelevant yeah. really i think we yeah. sort of between last season and this season 
Fred's days at United are just numbered, aren't they? He's... Yeah, I mean, who's going to pay anything for him? That's the problem. Sure, but... And Pereira looks deeply, deeply lightweight in central midfield and pretty lightweight on the right wing. <laughs> yeah, so we need, like, yeah. one of the kids maybe come through, play at number 10. Just play Angel Gomez at number 10 every week for Yeah, I mean, we should, I mean there's a whole bunch of questions about Angel Gomez, so, you know, because we can... I don't really know what else to say. a little bit. Don't really know yeah, what else I mean, to say. Yeah, I mean, Angel Gomez got a lovely goal for the, the under-23s last week. And and he's playing very well at under-23 level. And, uh, you know, he and he played for the under England under-21s. His, his challenge, of course, is that Ollie just doesn't seem to think he's mature enough yet to play that role. I mean, he couldn't be worse, really, mm. than, than no, Lingard's output. Absolutely. I, and I think... I. Th- I would quite like to see the gamble. Do you know that on the cover of... So Man United have done a deal with Pez, the other football game. I'm assuming you probably know that, but it's not FIFA. Not, not Pez, the sweet... The pe- no, <laughs> Pez, Pro Evolution Soccer. Um, and there's an MUFC edition of Pez. And on the cover right. are Marcus Rashford and Scott McTominay and Jesse Lingard. Scott McTominay's in the middle of the cover of a football game. That is not something I ever thought would happen. Anyway, um... I've loads of questions to pick from. I think this is an interesting one. At Rich Savile says, during a good run under Ole, some journalists were slating United because they were losing games on XG and this would catch up with them, which it did. This season, United are winning on XG in every game despite poor results in reality. When will this eventually write itself? And I do think there's a there's a significant point here that everyone, you know, there's, there is, a, let's say, a certain subsection of people who cover football whose approach when it was going well at United last season was to be like, well, XG, He's not very good, but none of them are talking about how consistently United are are massively outperforming their opposition on next year. And historically, we have seen that that teams' form does tend to trend towards its yeah. XG. Just one caveat on that. I mean, certainly defensively, uh, United um, United uh, in a good position. Rexg um, attacking wise. I mean, you take the two penalties out. And it doesn't look that good, right? So, but um, but you, what I I never fully understand. I mean, I get what that's important. Well, because it's about sort of organic chance creation. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. But creating a penalty for yourself is organic chance creation in a way, isn't sure. it? So, yeah, Daniel James is quite good at creating penalties. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Paul Lai's going to get a reputation. He got booked again at the weekend, didn't he? Against Southampton. Oh he, gosh, I, uh, I, don't, I, I, I might be lying it. about that one. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, he's been booked a couple of times, and both I think deeply unfair. Um, and um, anyway, let's move on. Rob Robinlow says, "Is this for? This is the first time in a long time the England cricket team and the football team are both more entertaining than United. I actually felt more <laughs> excited downbeat during the Ashes highs and lows than I do than I do seeing United games play out these days." Yeah, it, I mean, it's kind of interesting emotional response because I think uh, it's you know we we have and you've said it a little bit time. We had to, you had to take a little bit of a step back and accept that United not going to be good, that good this season. This is the team that's going to probably finish somewhere between fourth and seventh, you know, and, and there may not be that many points between fourth and seventh. Um, it, it would be an overperformance to finish third and a miracle to finish above that. <laughs> so, you know, accept that there's going to be some deep inconsistency um, and let's not go completely hysterical after four games of the season. Um, the other parts of that, England football team uh, won twice in their qualification, um, very comfortably beat Bulgaria, decent performance. I actually watched that game. 
Um, and then uh, I missed the game against Kosovo. Sounds bananas. Was, I haven't seen anything about it. Which was five it. three. England were five one. Uh, were one nil down after thirty four seconds. Five nil up at half. Five one up at <laughs> half time. And then uh, pegged back to five three. And I've only seen the goals. I didn't watch the game. I, I completely forgot it was happening. Yeah. Uh, that's how much attention I pay to the England football team. I guess the cricket uh, was really like it was really sad in a way, Old Trafford, but. Steve Smith is Leo Messi for cricket. Like, uh, he's an absolutely alien level talent. Being annoying. He's so annoying. I don't find him annoying. Just like, I don't find him annoying out. at all. He doesn't know how. He just doesn't. He eventually gets. The, the, my favorite thing about the whole Steve Smith thing was um, loads of people talking about, oh, we dropped him on 118. It's like, he shouldn't be bemoaning a missed chance when a batsman's on 118 because they go on to get 211. Um, at Mere Opinion says, why am I getting the feeling this is the rank cast pods last year? You're making me sad, Ed and Paul. And at Jay, <sighs> at Jay Bonza says, not really a question, but just to say, I still really enjoy the show and look forward to it every week. It sounds like you guys are enjoying it more this year so far too, despite the mixed results. Hope you're both well. Thank you, James. Yeah, friend of the show. I, mean, I think it, it comes back to the last question, doesn't it? A little bit. Like, it depends how much you're emotionally invested. Or maybe that's not the right way of putting it, but uh, how, how you deal with that emotional. Yeah, expectations, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the expectations aren't massively high. Of course, I'm disappointed when in England, <laughs> United, don't win. Um, but, yeah, I don't expect them to win. I didn't expect them to win all the time last season. It was just that it made me angry every week with. Two things. One, Mourinho <laughs> pretending like he was Chemical Alley as the tanks rolled behind, you know? No, nothing to see here. We're great. Um, and Mourinho stands, like, swamping Twitter with their Mourinho stuff. Yeah. You know? And now he's gone, and so I don't have to talk about him ever again. Um, and, you know, I like Oli. I wish him the best. I want him to do well. He's got loads of problems, uh, but he has a very clear plan. And dare I say it, He's brought back a little bit of identity to United because you know exactly what you're going to get out of this United team. That's a problem, of course, you know, tactically and in terms of results. But, you know, he, he's he's trying and he's one of us. The fan won the competition. He's now <laughs> yeah. And and um, the. The idea that we should be better than we are right now, or apart from like financial muscle. I, there's no you know I don't have a divine right to be good and and it's been <laughs> and there's been so we, we are god's own team exactly we've been so systematically destroyed over the last number of years by cro chronic mismanagement that basically it's a sort of to tie it into the first question for me it was much more likely that last season would have been the last season that I could do the podcast then this season's going to be the last season of it because I had a, genuinely took a good long look at the role that United plays in my life over the summer because it's the kind of thing I do um, and was like, well, if I'm going to do the podcast, I can't um, get sucked into the dialogue around United in the same way because I completely agree with you. The problem last season wasn't even the football. It was the dialogue around United. When when I reflect back on it, that's the thing that was so draining. So kind of extricating myself from that and just going into the season with a kind of general somewhat blasé attitude to whether we win or lose. And just not because not I don't care, but because I'm looking for something different 
now out of United, which is I'm just looking for the stuff that's fun and we're going to try and cover that. And obviously we'll do whatever bit of analysis we do on the games, honestly, but I'm going to try and do it with a, with a kind of somewhat relaxed attitude, basically. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Munquin Knight says, which current United players are you casting a Hobson Shaw style film? Pog, Pog um, and Shaw. Did, <laughs> Pog and Shaw. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, have they got fast cars? Uh, they That's must have all got fast cars, right? And football, footballers these days oh, care more about the haircuts and the cars than they do about the football. Uh, that's right. Well, no, actually, if you saw uh, Jaden Sancho tweeting this week, he cares deeply about his FIFA Ultimate Team ratings, <laughs> and rightly so. <laughs> if I, well, you know, in the good old days, the good old days, footballers cared about fast cars and loose women, <laughs> and that was it, and maybe a bit of drinking. The thing, not the shenanigans with if computer games. If you were a nineteen-year-old wonder kid, I don't know how old is he? Is he eighteen, nineteen, something like that? Yeah. Something if like you're that. that age and you're not obsessed with your FIFA team rank, ultimate team ranking, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> like, how could you? How could you not be like, why? Why am I not ninety-eight or whatever it is? Yeah. Of course. Like, I'm going to just ignore the word current. This has to be um, Evra and Park Ji Sung. <laughs> Has to be. That'd be a great film. Yeah, yeah, it would. That would be good. But like, so a Hobbs and Shaw star film. I don't think cars really are in Fast and Furious anymore, Ed. Except no. in as much as they are dropped out of planes. It, yes, um, I know. The f- I know this is a point that's been widely observed, but the first Fast and Furious movie centers on a heist where DVD players are stolen. <laughs> And now it's about stopping the earth getting blown up by satellites and stuff. Um, so it's the rock and Jason Statham, isn't it? I don't, I don't, I feel like there's a lot of people out there who think that United's big problem is they don't have enough Jason Stathams. <laughs> Harry Maguire, hmm. the rock has a very big head and so does Harry Maguire. So the rock has a big, everything man's in his fifties and he's absolutely stacked. Yeah. He's a, he is a large gentleman. Future, pre- yeah. future president, The Rock. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? It's probably true. You heard it here first, folks. I mean, not first, sadly. This, no, is, no. this is widely discussed. Omar Sveinsen says, uh, Sveinsen? I guess so. Um, the search for an identity for the team. In the past, you know what passed. The team changed all the time, but uh, uh, we never changed the approach. Um, that was mostly based on self-belief. And arrogance, can the team get back to that place without new signings? Is that true? Um, yeah, I mean, because, you know, I don't know. Are we talking about Fergie era? Fergie had many, many teams. You know, he had the the team that Roy Keane talked about a bit in that, that uh, thing he did with Gary Neville, the 4-4-2 and, and the kind of throw caution to the wind team of, what, 93 to 97? Nine. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think well maybe two thousand and one when we got turned over by Real Madrid, and and I mean this is law, right? That, that, um, and then after that, Ferguson just became much more circumspect, at least in European competition, changed the system a lot. Um, sometimes played with just one up top and three in midfield, but when Veron in to try and do that, so you know he played many systems, and uh, and in some games United absolutely parked the bus, in, including on the way to the two thousand and eight victory in two legs against Barcelona where we barely got out of our own box for 180 minutes so yeah um the second part of that question 
do we need the right signings to get back to that place? Well, we need the right signings to get back to a good team. Yeah. You know, I don't think that's going to be organic. I mean, there are lots of good younger players, but if we're betting on that, that's a massive bet. One, two, most of them are pretty young, and we might be looking at a three to five year timeline. And it's a it's a very big bet. Yeah. On that kind of timeline. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, and talking of which, at red underscore t underscore devil says, how would social media have responded to the class of ninety two in the early years? Seems no patience are spared in the modern game now. And I kind of think the what if Twitter existed then things a bit of a trope, but I do think this is something that has been happening for a long time that United fans collectively have changed their approach to young players from fantastic, one of our own's in the team, let's proper get behind them and give them the patience and time they need to develop into a superstar to kind of folded arms like, right then, are you good enough? Are you ready? And and the reason I don't think this is all about social media is that Darren Fletcher was almost a proto-example of this. It felt he was absolutely hammered left and right sure. in his early days. Yeah. And that was very early, like, forums and that sort of internet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. And the pages of Red Issue dubbing him the Scottish player, you know. Very clever nickname, but completely brutal. And, yeah, he took a long time to mature. And, and uh, I, I mean, specifically related to the class of 92, I mean, they, they went from uh, League Cup introductions one season, which weren't that high profile, to basically being in the team the next and the United won the league. So, you know, there's it's a little bit different in in that United very quickly was successful with these players, but it was a big gamble by Fergie and he obviously believed in them. And um and as for the, the the trope, um I mean we had Usenet back then. I'm definitely gonna age myself, you know, text based message boards. Um and there were United ones. I remember um uh a um a United message board, I don't know, mid nineties, where I some somebody was supposed to be sending a like you had to click on a link or download a sort of attachment thing for a photo, and you, it would you know this it is downloading lines. Not allowed. Yeah. It. like this yeah. is the thing. And you it was supposed to be football picture, and it actually turned out the him showing his cock. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I got sent a dick pic by some <laughs> asshole. <laughs> on a United forum and it scarred me. <laughs> I can't believe you were like, oh, I've got to click on this attachment. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Before we knew better. Um, at underscore Vivek13 says, who's a bigger F1 fan, Ed or Paul? I don't really like F1 at all. Do you? No, not really. I mean, I sort of half like see what's going on. I, I, I don't remember the last time I watched a full race. Uh, I do like cars, but F1, yeah, yeah. I think, did you yeah. used to like F1 when you were much younger? I probably did watch it, yeah. I probably did. It was probably a Sunday afternoon ritual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of the problem with F1 is, um, uh, I want to put this the right way. I was going to say, the safety is taken out of the excitement. <laughs> it's not that. It's, it's um, you know, the amount of technology, safer courses, um, and... Um, uh, the bigger teams having, you know, m all the money and there being sort of a concentration of power and wealth in a few teams me means that it's not a um, free-for-all of loads of overtaking. If you want that, 
Um, there are other formulas you can watch that have sort of standardized cars uh, or motorbike racing. That is pretty good because people are falling off all the time and sometimes they fight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did not know that they fought. That's like while on the motorbike. Mega Drive game Road Rash, talking of aging yourself. Um, I watched an episode of Top Gear because Freddie Flintoff's on it now and I love Freddie Flintoff. I'll watch almost anything that he's on. Um, and they did this thing where they did Formula Off Road, which was absolutely unbelievable. Like there's these crazy buggy things and they have to drive really fast so they can sort of jump up cliffs. That was nice. that was pretty good. I did once do uh, dune bashing uh, out in the desert in uh, Dubai once. Right. That was fairly terrifying. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, yeah, kind of good fun. And also, all uh, of this, I have to say, does feel slightly antithetical to a 21st century where the world's heating up at the speed that it is and the carbon and all. Well, there's Formula you know. E, of right. course. There you go. They sound kind of wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that why it's called Formula E? Because it's Formula E. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and like, you know, I've got a hybrid car. Not that exciting. I've got to say, pretty boring. <laughs> you can pretty cope. boring. I, I can. I have a motorbike as well for you know, <laughs> thrills. I've seen your motorbike. It's ridiculous. Very nice. Yeah, it is very nice. It's very, very, very nice. And very practical for your needs as a family man, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. There's one seat. <laughs> they can't bother me when I'm on it. Uh, Fraser Kroll says, Sancho and Madison for 100 million each next summer. Yes or no? Yes, obviously. Yes. Why not? Well, we've got the money. Absolutely. I mean... Uh, Sancho's definitely going to be a world-class player. Definitely, 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 definitely. Uh, Madison, probably. His numbers, look it. I mean, it's it's hard to say because obviously he's playing in Leicester with, I was going to say inferior players, but it depends who they're inferior <laughs> to, really. But um, he's he looks very promising. Uh, he's definitely better than Ross Barkley. Right. No good Ross Barkley, and he keeps uh, getting in the, in the England side. Him and Jason Roy. No, Jason Roy's very good. I'm not going to be mean about World Cup hero Jason Roy. You've been very mean about World Cup hero Jason Roy in the last two months, Ed. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, before the last test, um, I did say chances of Roy getting out, trying to absolutely biff one through the covers, 100%. He didn't get out. He got a good one that nipped back. Although, absolute have to say... He did get a Jaffa. There is 18 inches between his bat and his pads. Uh, 18 inches. <laughs> He's still not trying to block that. He's trying to give that a clump. You know. Yeah, honestly. Um, even though the Ashes are done, I'm still ridiculously excited about the fact there's another test match tomorrow. And the period between the end of the oval test and like... I was going to say the beginning of the New Zealand test, but I'm not going to see any of that because it'll be on at incredible o'clock in the three in the morning. morning yeah, but yeah. I'm so happy that the winter tours in South Africa this year. So I'll watch all the cricket because it's at the right yes, time of day. Yes, because it'll be on at good times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I um, uh, I'm not going to this test, but I've been to tests at the Oval before. It's and cricket at the Oval. It's it's always good fun. Yeah, good fun. Yeah, yeah. 
proper crowd, unlike Lords. And uh, just the last cricket no- note of the day: Moeen Ali's knock in the quarterfinal of the Vitality Blast is one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see. Kind of my memory of him looking so broken at Edgebaston in the fifth Ashes Test, and then seeing him in person uh, with the knock that he played for Worcestershire against Warwickshire um, in the T20, and then then that hundred in the final in the quarterfinals incredible it's ridiculous that people can do that with a cricket ball very good that'll do right biggie t last last one one. because it's topical um words van der sarby good choice for director of football thoughts piece in the mirror this week suggesting that united have approached him if it's Um, not i i I, I take every single director of football story with a i was gonna say pinch yourself massive massive bucket full of salt because I just I don't believe the club is serious about it. I don't believe any serious candidate would take this job either because they will be beholden to United's business model, which is about returning between 20 and 30 million pounds a year in dividends to the Glazers, who are the only Class B shareholders, right? So, um, and uh, Class B being more important than Class A in this case. Class A's, you know, you normally don't relegate. <laughs> But in this case, I saw you I should. saw immediately what your brain was doing as soon as you said the word class A's there. <laughs> Just say no, kids. Just say no to the Glazers. They're evil. Yeah. Uh, and Van der Sar, well, you know, he's CEO of Ajax, not technical director. Mark Overmars is the technical technical director. I think Van der Sar has moved beyond that there. His club, you know, he's he is in the Ed Woodward position. Why on earth would you prostrate yourself to Woodward? Also, we don't believe stories in the mirror. If it's not in the athletic, then the, the rank cast position is that it's not reliable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and at least what the athletic has, have done is allow all the other newspapers to promote some up and coming youngsters into writing positions because, you know, their their copy desks have just been emptied. So. It's so funny. It's so funny. And like, by the way, I just want to be absolutely clear the athletic thing is just a stupid running gag because someone out there will take it seriously and be like, are they, are they really? Like, no, they there genuinely is some good stuff Absolutely. on there. And, and there will still be some good stuff when they go bust with $100 million worth of debt. Aren't they making loads of time. money? Aren't they? Isn't their model no, they, really they working? They probably are. They're, they're, they're model, well, they're a venture capital. I don't know. They're a private. They're venture capital by private market company still. So right. I, I don't know exactly what their revenue over costs are but uh their model is to invest in content and in in you know and and get an audience a paying audience by investing that content it's the model that works has worked um for netflix and other content companies well when you say Um, worked for netflix how how netflix doing money wise well no they still they spend uh, they'll spend about 15 billion dollars this year on original production and that's um about 77% of their revenue base so they're still losing a ton of money but it's just a it's a long term bet on on uh, becoming a you know a de facto monopoly which Netflix definitely won't become sorry i could talk forever about this one but uh and if you want <laughs> in the biz you know if you want more content like that then uh, patreon.com slash rankcast you get bonus content every week could be about anything um talking of paywalls uh, i i think i do think oh, that's right and this week we're talking about the uh, market segmentation of the direct consumer <laughs> um, the, the thing about the athletic is I, I do think that basically all football fans should be rooting for it to succeed because it's such a sane model for creating actual good content if you like football that's the, the thing 
Plus they yeah. plus they sponsor loads of my friends. <laughs> not us. Don't sponsor <laughs> us. Just just yeah, ev- we're, we're not bitter. Just, we're not, we're happy for just them. Just everyone we know is either working <laughs> for them or getting sponsored by them. So. Um <laughs> no um no clickbait. No. No transfer rumors. No, no ads, no pre-roll video. Yeah. Uh no really sad journo <laughs> on his phone. Uh, doing a piece to camera, definitely against his will, even though the bosses have told him he has to in order to get his 25th piece of content in that day to get a measly amount of clicks. And to sign up for 50% off your first year, so go to theathletic.com slash rankcast and you'll find it doesn't exist. We're doing this for nothing like idiots. <laughs> All right. Oh, dear. Thank- All right. I think that's that's plenty of questions. That'll do, yeah. Uh, Are you bored yet, folks? I'm gonna go one all against Leicester. Did I already say that? I already said. That. I think you did say that. I, I'm, you know what? I, not so much negative, Nancy. I'm gonna say United <laughs> gonna win two one somehow. <laughs> Daniel James screamer into the top corner. This is what now your your weekly United related optimism is. You can't even construct a means by which United are gonna win. It's just somehow they'll find a way. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We love you. And uh, we'll be back next week. Well, in fact, sooner than that, we'll be back after the Leicester game. Uh, we we're going to have a couple of quick fire rank casts because um, we've got to get in time to preview the FC Astana game. Didn't, oh, didn't talk about the I'm draw. looking forward to that one. Didn't talk about, the, Euro- forward to that. Didn't talk about the Europa League draw. Literally Thursday night away in Kazakhstan. That's not a joke. That's literally what's going to be happening, except I've looked it up. It's not Thursday night. It's like half three in the afternoon on a Thursday. <laughs> Ah, that'll be worth missing a couple of meetings for, yeah. How far uh, we done fell. <laughs> wow, wow. That's a trip, that one. Anyway, uh, good luck, United, for the Thursday night. We'll we'll preview that one yeah. with uh, some really in-depth analysis on there. Uh, on Astana. FC Astana's, <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right, take it easy, everyone. We'll see you next okay. week. Okay, bye now.